filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. filibuster the black and red united podcast i am uh, doing some weird thing with my voice right now i'm ben bromley you can tell it's not adam you know it's going to be off the rails tonight uh i am joined just by jason anderson because adam is dealing with congress and that's bad uh so we wish him luck on that and hope he doesn't die or anything or have his mind driven to insanity like the beholders of D&D uh, something like that be be well adam don't don't die don't turn into a uh, uh husk of a man we miss you hundreds hundreds of members of congress have descended upon adam's house and are just interfering with his evening um it's yeah. it's ridiculous yeah yeah <laughs> um like Rob Whitman is trying to cook a grilled cheese sandwich in Adam's, uh, but he's doing it in Adam's oven, and I don't know why. Uh, Mark Warner is trying to make one of his hideous-looking tuna melts. Um, that's a real thing that Mark Warner did, and it's really <laughs> quite like this was during height of the pandemic, and Mark Warner did a video of how he makes a tuna melt, and it is one of the most heinous food crimes I've ever seen. It is kind of wild that people like, so during the pandemic, everyone was stuck alone and we're all cooking more often than we normally would. And so many people just outed themselves as someone who it turns out was just fundamentally doing something wrong in cooking something. But <laughs> we're also very sure that what they were doing was like a good version of the thing they were doing. So there were a bunch of like college football coaches posting their brisket and it was just like, someone blasted this brisket at like 400, 400 degrees for, for half an hour. Like that's done baby. And it was like, well, yes, it's technically edible. You're correct. Uh, it's just that your jaw, your jaw muscles will wear out before you chew your way through the thing that you just put. Anything's edible. If you try hard enough. Exactly. Uh, and that's apparently what a lot of people were doing. And then we're like, I got to take a photo of this. This is good. And it, yeah, but Mark Warner actually like, bad. Yeah, he recorded this himself and thought he was doing a great job with his tuna melt. I, like, if you haven't seen it, please don't. Uh, but you, <laughs> like, one of the worst parts is that he microwaves the tuna before putting it on his sandwich. I yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> just, yeah, that's just a straight up wrong thing to have done. That's incorrect factually. <laughs> Anyways, as I'm sure you've realized by now, this is a soccer podcast, and we are going to, I think it's going to be another feelings podcast. Uh, we are going to talk uh, about DC United's uh, uh, current playoff position, their playoff hopes, which are more hopes than and dreams and wishes than anything else right now. Uh, we're going to talk about how they got themselves into this position over the weekend. Uh and yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see where the where the night takes us. But Jason, first, what are you drinking? 
I earlier I was like maybe not even gonna have an alcohol drink, uh, but as the day wore on, I was like, you know, maybe one would be good. Um, it it would be nice to relax and unwind. So I've got some uh some Casadores Blanco, uh, neat, uh, because it's cold. Uh, the the cold weather has descended upon all of us, much like the members of Congress on Adam's home. Um, <laughs> and I had to turn the heat on. Uh, so I'm actually. Ben can Ben can verify I'm holding up the collar of a jacket. I'm sitting in my house in a jacket yep. because my heat turns on, but for some reason it like sometimes it just blows cold for a couple of minutes before it goes hot. Um, uh, it, it, especially in my bedroom, which is where I do the podcast from, and so there's like a vent that blows sometimes like not that warm air across the top of my head, and it chills my entire body out, even though it is the heat. And the rest of the house is the temperature it should be. It's this one spot I do not know. It's a ghost, maybe. I'm assuming it's a ghost. It's probably a ghost. Um, have you checked to see if maybe, um, I don't know, maybe a New York Red Bulls goalkeeper? Is Buna Kondul, like, in your vents, like, blocking the heat, maybe, from uh, from I'll, getting I'll, to I'll you? I'll investigate. Uh, I haven't seen a ghost. I haven't seen Buna Kondul, but you know, he might just be way in there, and I have to like send a note down and be like, "Hey, man, I don't know. I don't know why that was in my vent. Like, I don't know why that was. I don't know why that was the goalkeeper of the past that I uh, that <laughs> I pulled. But I mean, Buna if it's Kondul another one, is. maybe I'll just address it to uh, Red Bulls goalkeeper, um, and they'll be like, "That's me," um, and they'll read my note, and it'll be like. You know, you're right. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it, but living in these vents is not great. Uh, I, there's so much more the, to life than living inside a vent. What are you drinking, Ben? I am uh, drinking a bourbon and Coke. Um, I got some Evan Williams uh, Black Label from the ABC store. It is my go-to, just like not high-level bourbon, uh, but I don't want to be drinking like Evan Williams Green Label or uh, uh, Old Crow or stuff like that. Virginia Gentleman. I don't want any of that. Uh, so yeah, I go with Evan Williams Black Label. It's a good, solid drinker. Yeah. Good in uh, Coca-Cola. Yeah, um, for, a, for a mixed drink yeah. uh, like this. Um, I think we've talked about Evan Williams plenty, but yeah, I think we all yeah. agree that uh, don't think of it as like crap bourbon. Um, it's not like great bourbon, but for what the price you're paying, it's pretty good. Yeah. And speaking of pretty good, that's what the Columbus crew were against DC United, uh, this past weekend, they scored three times, uh, to DC United's one to put DC United's playoff hopes, uh, in a in a in a bad position, in a real real bad position, and we'll talk about uh, those positions here in a little bit. Uh, but Jason, the theme of the game seemed to be that, and especially over this like crush of games in the past two three weeks, uh, that DC United just ran out of gas. They don't have enough. They didn't have enough players to sub in, or at least not enough players playing at a high enough level who aren't injured yeah uh this was the the you know the press conference after the game everyone was pretty um subdued but a lot of it was just literally that um 
it wasn't that they were thinking, wow, we made a bunch of, you know, tactical mistakes or players saying, oh, I played really badly. Um, I, I think everyone could kind of understand what went wrong. Um, and it was really that DC had like 15 or 20 minutes of their normal energy level that makes them good. And we saw that they came out and scored early on Columbus and they were looking like they might score a second uh, in the few minutes that followed that goal. Um, But once that kind of sapped away uh, at that point, you know, they're still trying to press. They just can't press with the same intensity. Uh, They're not getting to the ball as fast. And that's when Columbus started to uh, slowly be able to lure them into one side or lure too many guys to the ball. And then they still get the pass away. Um, and it's that split second that that little bit of um, little bit of energy that just wasn't there, and then all of a sudden they're opening the game up and and hitting it wide to Derek Etienne uh, out in some space or going over the top and going in behind, and you could tell by the 30th minute that DC was just sort of hoping to hang on for one nothing at halftime, and they almost got there. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't good, but they almost got there. Um, but then they give up a penalty that is itself for all, for from my view at least it looked for all the world like a fatigued player making a fatigued player choice where like I can get to this I can always get to this but like your brain thinks you have a certain energy level but your body definitely knows what's there because it's the one doing like physically moving and Tony Alfaro goes to make a tackle that maybe he believed he could make but in that moment he could not right and Zellerion uh, converts the penalty. DC United is down one out halftime. And then, yeah, I don't think they had the legs to get back into it. Uh, they tried to uh, change it up with uh, Adrian Perez and Jordi Reyna. And Perez, from the, from his wingback spot, was uh, he brought some pep that I don't think uh, other replacement other wingbacks that aren't Kevin Paredes have brought to that side. Uh, Joseph Mora hasn't really brought an attacking flair to that side. Um, uh, neither did Alfaro because uh, he's a center back. Um, yeah. But everybody else was, was just didn't have the energy to complete what uh, Perez was doing. And yeah, by the time, Abila and Roberta came on that there was nobody like they couldn't pass through the middle. They couldn't, they just, they just didn't have it on the day. Yeah. Um, and you know, United tried, uh, they tried to bring the subs in. Um, Losada said after the, they, they had to make a choice um, about who to play at left wing back. And they said that, you know, Mora, I, I believe the term Losada levels weren't at 100%. Um, kind of unclear to me whether he meant fitness or performances recently or both. It's probably both at this point in the year. Um, And so he made a call. Um, Alfaro's played left back before, but in a back four. Um, But this is, you know, they, they asked him to do something, you know, Perez, I'm sure would have been the call if he were further along in his recovery um, from his injury, but he had only played 45 minutes up until this game. Um, so asking him to do even this much as a wingback was already really stretching. Um, and and Losada mentioned after the game that, you know, the list of guys that, um, as he said, were playing on one leg, 
um, it was a lot. He said Hamid is playing on one leg, Nahar, Ariola, um, you know, Julian Gressel. If you go back and watch Julian Gressel when he gets subbed off uh, at the at the hour mark, I, he barely has the energy to get off the field. Um, right. Like he, he, and it just the minutes played. You know, they they didn't have the option to bring him in and uh, rotate without having an impact on the the attack. Um, there's really no there's no substitute for Gressel. Um, and and nope. Chris Adoya Chem is is a good player for defensive moments, but they obviously needed an attacking player and um, he wasn't able to provide the service that, that Gressel provides. And really no one on the team has that in their bag either. Um, And it's just kind of, that's the story of things is that Losada spaced the subs out. He tried, you know, you, you add a sub at halftime, you add two subs in the 61st minute. You're trying to, you know, add some, some spark to the group. You're trying to get some fresh legs out there. Uh, But there's only so much that that can do. Um, and I will say Columbus playing the same, they had the same exact schedule. They played the same five days that DC did. Um, and they rotated about as much as DC, which is to say not that much. They looked fresher. Um, and some of that is that the, the days of Caleb Porter being the hyper attacking coach in MLS are long gone. And I think they probably conserved some legs by having some of these games where they just stayed in a low block and, and conserved some energy and, and played ugly. Um, and Losada said he, he doesn't want to do that. He said that all year. Um, but in this game, in this particular moment with the injuries and everything else, it would have been nice to have something in the tank and they just, they did not. And, and, and I think everyone knew as well. Like I think both teams even realized it that they're just, everyone was giving everything they had and they just, there wasn't enough to actually give. Yeah, I, I just pulled up the list because I was curious, but um, Julian Gressel, unsurprisingly, is number one on DC United right now in minutes, and he has 500 more minutes played this season than number two. Yeah, which uh, is a tribute to his uh, his fitness, the response he's had to the um, more stringent fitness demands, uh, the dietary stuff, all that stuff that Lozada has implemented. Um, that's great. Uh, the fact that he hasn't had anything, any knocks or anything that have kept him out. Um, certainly, I'm sure he's had some knocks that he played through because, you know, it's MLS, people kick you. Um, he's certainly gotten kicked this year. Uh, but, yeah, yeah um, it would have been nice for DC to give him more time off. But how do you compete in those games with without him, especially when down the stretch you're competing without Flores? Jordi Reyna came back in this game, but it's the first game he played in a while. Uh, Ariola was out for so, so often this year uh, in little bits and pieces. So um, when your most expensive attacking players keep missing time, uh, the one that's available kind of has to be out there so that you can create. Um, And that is unfortunately the situation Gressel found is he ends up playing in every single game they've played so far. Yep. And I I know this has been my hobby horse for a couple of episodes uh, recently, and I'm sure we'll get more in more into it in the off season, hopefully not coming for a while yet, but we'll see. Um, But DC United's both had injuries, a lot of injuries in defense. And I think with the benefit, well, with both the benefit of hindsight, and I think we were saying it at the time that they needed to sign more, especially center defenders this past 
this past uh, winter, like when they were preparing to go to a three-back system. Um, but uh, two players in the top 10 in minutes for DC United this year are backup defenders that haven't, uh, that I don't think, sh- like the fact that they got, are in the top 10 in minutes is a bad sign. Uh, Tony Alfaro is fourth in minutes for the team. And uh, Joseph Mora is in the uh, top 10 as well. Mm-hmm. And we've said a lot about Mora. It, it's the same stuff. He's a, he can be a solid defender, but he's not a wing back. He's not suited to play wing back in uh, uh, Ernan Losada's system, but due to injuries, he's had to. And he, like the, the difference for this system between Paredes and Mora is a big one. Um, it's a it's a substantial step down in what Hernan Losada wants to do, and I think you can say the same between like Tony Alfaro and whoever he's replacing, be it uh, uh, Andy Nahar or Brendan Heinzeik. It was great to see Heinzeik get a couple of minutes uh, over the past week and then start his uh, prep towards next year, basically. Um, but yeah, the fact that. The injuries, the what? What is it? Over two hundred and fifty man games. Uh, it's not quite two hundred fifty. Um, okay, but it is way over two hundred. Uh, let me bring over up 200. the um. Yeah, let me bring up the old spreadsheet with the right. and so, as <laughs> as Jason as Jason brings up his his bad news spreadsheet. I mean, just the fact that it's this many minutes by players who. Basically, they they need to be upgraded uh, over the off season because if injuries are going to keep happening and they are because MLS and CONCACAF and FIFA apparently hate players and want to grind them into dust. Uh, but that means that the quality of the people who are going to spell them or take over when they're injured also needs to go up. So it's, it's 210 man games uh, to injury. Uh, which is more than you would want to lose. <laughs> yeah. um, it's actually a worse, it's a more severe on a per game basis, uh, more severe situation than DC had last year when we spent so much time talking about how banged up they were. Um, this year was worse, uh, which yeah. is crazy. I did not think that that was possible. Um, I'm actually going through and counting the number of players who were injured for more than 10 games. Um, and it's high. It's a high number. Yeah. Um, let me see. I think I've got them all. Lay it on ten. Ten, 10 players missed 10 or more games this year due to injury. Read them, so, read them off to me. I need, hit hit okay. me with it. Uh, Steven Birnbaum, Bill Hamid, Jordi Reyna, Chris Odoya Chem. Uh, actually, Paredes is short of that. I hadn't counted him on my list of 10, but then I realized that there's a bunch of like one game absences for him. Uh, no. Donovan Pines, uh, Nigel Bertha, Eric Sorga, Brendan Heinz Eich, uh, Edison Flores, Adrian Perez. Um, all those guys you missed. You have most of a good starting 11 out of those guys. Yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, so on some level, it's like kind of kind of impressive that there's even a chance to get into the playoffs, um, given that context. But uh, you know, also the con the, the chances are very slim, and also 
not a lot of fun to be dealing with this same problem again. And, and some of the, and the weird thing is, is that some of these guys are new guys. Um, some of these guys that missed a lot of time. Um, you know, I'm thinking of Roberta, his big chunk of games missed was a, an injury that apparently it, it's scar tissue left over from an injury he had when he was like 19. Um, awesome. It's stuff like that. Or, you know, Adrian Perez misses time because the Philadelphia union decided one game to just try and murder everyone. Um, that's the game that cost like the Philadelphia union. Um, Brendan Heinzike gets a hip injury that Bill Hamid said he was like, yeah, that's just like not an injury that anyone here has ever had or even heard about. Um, it's just not a soccer injury is, is yeah, and the when, basic version of that. Yeah. And when uh, I think uh, Claudia Pagan recently tweeted about it, when Heinzike came back on, and if you just like Google what actually happened to him, mm-hmm. it sucks. It's like, it's like a fracture displacement of the, of the ball socket in his hip. I mean, that's just yeah. like an awful sounding and, like think of all the things your hip does all the time. And then imagine that being injured. Uh, yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. Um, it's one of those where, you know, my early understanding, they, they didn't, there weren't too many details, but I remember at the time it being like, he'll be out for at least this long. And it's like, well, what do you think the chances are of him playing before the end of the season? And it was like, yeah, no one really knows um, because right. we're kind of in, unusual territory with this uh with this thing and sure enough there it was uh he did get back in time which is really impressive and good it's good that they managed to overcome that but it's also like i I still don't know how it happened is the other thing because he the last game he appeared and he actually played the full 90 um right and it was just like yeah well he's got like a hip thing and then all of a sudden it was like actually his hip thing is going to be a long time um, but yeah. yeah, that's, I don't know. DC has had some bad luck this year. And I know like the ultimate thing for a fan podcast is to be like, oh, our guys were unlucky. Um, but I think we've, we've had so many different examples of bad luck um, that I think this is a year where we can say like last year, I didn't think DC was unlucky. Um, I no. think DC played badly and, and got what the, the standings were fair. Um, it was not fun, but it was fair. This year, I think that they have been unlucky to an extent that I, I feel like we we haven't seen too much of maybe ever with this team. And this injuries things is part of it. Um, you know, it's not like the union don't tackle other teams harder, that there are, there are other players in the league going in studs up on guys. It happens all the time. Um, it just so happened that that game came with Adrian Perez missing over half the season as a result of it and Russell Canals missing games as a result of that, that – I'm sure he probably is still coping with because you you know you come back well enough to play and Losada talked about setting things up so that guys come back when they are done recovering and not when they're okay to play. Um, the difference between yeah I can gut it out versus my recovery is done, but right you know you're still carrying like it's still these things accumulate. Um, you still get beat up over the course of the season and. Um, you know, DC was on the the bad end of some challenges that ended up adding to all of this. So, right, yeah, it's it's rough. It's rough. It it and, it shouldn't have gone this way. Um, it would have been nice if it did not. Right, and getting used to a new system is always difficult. And I think, especially with Losada's system, 
I think they're going to uh, be in a much better spot come January 2022 when they have an entire offseason of Losada in their ear telling them how to like eat and stay ready for the next season. They didn't know who the new coach was going to be last offseason, so they just basically had to train on their own and rely on their own uh, uh, uh intuition and and maybe some advice from from uh, uh Stuart Mayers and Casper and Chad Ashton but uh Losada has like the comments were there like early in his tenure about uh, uh eating habits and and uh things like that that the, that he needed to change with his players so hopefully a more elastic and uh uh healthy team is ready for us come uh, next season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a chance that DC United uh, has more than just Sunday's game left on this season. Uh, the games that are, were in play as we record uh, Wednesday night are now over, I believe, or at least the ones mm-hmm. that matter Another, to yeah, DC yeah. United. Um, uh Montreal won two to nothing over the Houston Dynamo, which is not great for us. But I, I think in the in the lar- larger scheme of things, doesn't really matter because I think DC United would still hold no yeah. matter what the games won tiebreaker over the over the formerly Impact. Yeah, but if if Montreal had not won this game, it would have made it impossible for them to pass DC. If DC, yes. if DC has to win. Um, that's yes. like the first thing. No, all the other stuff doesn't matter. If, if DC doesn't beat TFC, the season is over right then and there. Um, yes. but if DC had had met that qualification, Montreal can only be ahead of them if they won tonight and then again on decision day. Um, so by winning tonight, they have set themselves yeah. up to leapfrog DC. Uh, or actually, I shouldn't say leapfrog to stay ahead of DC. Um, because they have forty six now as we as we record. Yeah. And DC's got 44. So um, that's one of the things is that uh, DC needs uh, Montreal to not beat Orlando, uh, which is an uncomfortable position for this podcast that we have to not hope for an Orlando defeat. uh, But that is what is required. Um, And then the other result tonight was the Red Bulls and Atlanta tied at 0-0, which wasn't the worst possible outcome, but it was still pretty bad. The The preferred outcome would have been for Atlanta to have beaten uh, the Red Bulls. Uh, and so now both Atlanta and the Red Bulls have to get zero points on the weekend for well, DC no, United. So now DC cannot catch Atlanta. Um, That's right. Gone. Yes, they cannot catch yeah. Atlanta and the Red Bulls have to get zero points. Yes. On the weekend, yeah. This is why I, I, when I wrote about this, I said that you know normally you're just any interconference game where the two teams are directly in front of you. Say okay, um, it's this close. I hope for a draw uh, because then they both don't get many points. But now, um, if Atlanta had managed to win this game, and truth be told, Atlanta is very, very, very lucky they didn't lose the game. Um, uh-huh. They they posted. Uh, I believe I saw a tweet that said their XG at one point was like it late in the game was like 0.02. Um, <laughs> they did almost no attacking in this game. They had a goal. New York had a goal that was called back for offside. They hit the bar, etc. cetera. Um, but yeah, if Atlanta had won this game, DC would have, the Red Bulls would have to win 
their game to get in ahead of DC because of that game's one tiebreaker, like you mentioned. But because the Red Bulls got a point and the and Atlanta got a point, now Atlanta can't be caught, and DC's only recourse with the Red Bulls is that they have to lose at Nashville. If they get a draw, that's it for DC. Um, So not great, but, you know, the good news here is that Nashville is one of the best home teams in the league. Um, and they don't seem like the kind of team that will just sort of be like, ah, screw it. We're, we're already, we're already settled. You know, they're tied. Nashville's tied with Philly on 53 and behind on the games one tiebreaker. So, um, if they want to get the highest playoff seed, they can, they should be motivated and they've had time. They didn't have to play Nashville's not playing tonight. So they didn't have to make any rotation choices. So there is that. Um, but yeah, DC is in need of a Nashville win and nothing else. Uh, as I, I tweeted from the site account, uh, this was about the Montreal game, but if DC beats TFC by 600 goals and Nashville doesn't <laughs> beat the Red Bulls, then it just doesn't matter. Uh, you could score, right. literally have both teams contrive to score as many goals on TFC as, as humanly possible. Just do it as fast as they can play 90 minutes at breakneck pace of that. And none of it would matter. It would be remarkable, uh, but it would not be playoff playoff wise. It wouldn't matter. Um, yeah. There would probably yeah. be some, uh, some uh, investigate investigations into <laughs> illegal betting activity. Yeah, definitely. Um, but also like a, a very, an interesting uh, thought problem to, to tackle. Right. How fast could, how many goals could two teams accomplish if they set their minds to one team conceding all the goals how many goals could they get in a 90 minute game in the physical space of of soccer um i don't think professionals have ever given it a shot uh maybe maybe somewhere they should i don't know if this is the game for it um but uh yeah uh it's it's dc's still alive they they came through right last weekend hopefully but and yeah, so and similarly, so yes, uh, Nashville and Philadelphia currently tied on points, so they are jockeying for uh, uh, playoff positioning. Uh, New York City FC could join them on fifty-three points, uh, so there's uh, jockeying there as well. Nashville has to stay ahead of New York City as well, and right now Orlando and Atlanta are tied on points um, with Montreal and the Red Bulls. Uh, uh, lurking behind as well. So hopefully Montreal will also be motivated to uh, get the no. full points. DC and DC, if no, they, if Mo- DC wins... Montreal, if Montreal gets the full points, DC is done. Right, yes, yes, yes. But I was about to... Like, or if, if Montreal and Orlando draw, then DC United could still get in based on tiebreakers. Yes, but Montreal has to not win. Um Yes, that's correct. that's one of the prereqs. The, the good thing is yes. that DC does have this game's one tiebreaker. They don't. Um, they right now the Red Bulls have thirteen wins, just like DC does, but they've got forty-seven. DC's got forty-four. So if they lose and DC wins, DC's ahead of them by virtue of having fourteen wins instead of thirteen. Um, right. And Montreal only has twelve wins. So Montreal, um, if they end up on forty-seven, they would miss out against the Red Bulls and against DC, they would be the worst team in that tiebreaker. So um, yeah, that's the one, the one good piece of news we have is that the goal difference side of this doesn't matter. MLS did away with this a few years ago. I guess they, they, their logic at the time was they wanted to incentivize teams to win. 
as if teams don't try and win because of the points that you accrue by winning. Um, But what it does mean is that the Red Bulls being at plus six while DC is at zero, Montreal being plus four, um, none of that really matters here because the game's one tiebreaker is, is the tiebreaker that will matter. And DC would have the advantage because of the uh, animosity towards tying games. Um, The only teams, let's see. Austin, Austin and Austin uh, and Portland. Somehow Portland, Portland yes. is also Portland being a team that doesn't tie games is deeply weird because they are very not DC in terms of style. Um they're very much willing to play for a zero zero. Um uh, but I don't know. The West Coast is its own little animal. Uh I'm on one hand, and especially I think go ahead, especially ben. since we haven't seen them this year, really. We haven't seen any West Coast teams this year. Right. Um, you know, DC uh, pummeled Minnesota, who are going to make the playoffs, uh, it seems, or no, actually, they haven't clinched yet mathematically. Um, they've got their, they're, they're almost, imp- it's almost impossible for them to not make the playoffs, Minnesota. Yeah. But um, yeah, the West is a weird one, just as a, a digression here, in that I think their top three are as good as the East top two. But I also see Portland and Minnesota at four and five and think, that those teams wouldn't have made the playoffs in the East. Um, so that's a, right. it's curious. Um, what's going on over there is strange uh, and confusing. And I'm sure they feel the same when they look, they look in on the East and they're like, what is happening over there? And it's like, yeah, well, they, we got our own thing. That's weird. Yeah. 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 They, they, I feel like a lot of, a lot of West coast fans might look at new England and then the rest of uh, the East and be like, Oh, and it's like, I mean, yes, they're very good, but it's not, it's not as unbalanced as it looks on paper. Yeah, I would shout out um if if you want to look up uh Harrison Crow, um, who works with um American soccer analysis, his Twitter handle is Harrison underscore crow, like the bird. Um he did a tweet about um game flow and the fact that DC had been uh second in all of MLS in terms of how many minutes they they were in the lead here. Um only the Revs led more minutes of games this season. Um, DC was in, or, I mean, we still got one more set of games, but, um, DC led games for 1,132 minutes this season, which is second most in the league. Um, but he posted, he, he tweeted about that, but then he posted the, um, goals, uh, goals added game flow charts for DC's three meetings with the revs. Um, and they do kind of one, they, they are painful reading for DC fans because you see that DC really should have won the most recent game, the three, two loss um, at home. They arguably should have gotten at least a draw in the three, two loss in new England. And then that, um, that game way back when that had virtually no scoring chances at all, probably should have finished zero, zero. Um, And it's just kind of a funny set of charts to read. And it, it's kind of torturous because it's like DC, really the all three of those games could have been wins and if any of them were uh tonight's show would be more positive and less complicated <laughs> mathematically um yeah but uh unfortunately the revs uh just as dc has not had uh tremendous luck this year the revs have have been both extremely good and when they've needed it they've been fortunate and uh yeah that is that's the division i think uh between the teams that we we've talked about this recently where they have three right. guys that they spend a lot of money on and all of them are excellent. 
Um, and it turns out that that's maybe something DC should consider this winter is spending spending some money on a guy that's that good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll definitely get into more of that uh, whenever the offseason comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason, anything else you, you want to talk about, about last week's games, the playoff race? I mean, it's about Toronto. I mean, I don't know if it's if it's that useful to break down Toronto. The, I mean, the, the goal, like, it's just win or win or definitely go home. Well, TFC, the, the the thing I'll say about TFC is that they played tonight. They're playing, but it's not MLS. It's Canadian Championship. Right, it's, yes. Um, they hosted Paci- yes, they hosted Pacific FC from the um, Canadian Premier League. Um, they went up 2-0 early. They held on. Uh, they gave up a goal late, but held on to win 2-1 over Pacific FC. So they... Uh, as is tradition at this point, I don't know why Montreal or Vancouver never gets to the final of this thing, but it is as always <laughs> Toronto and Montreal playing in the right. championship of this thing, which means one, whenever they, I don't know when that game is, it must be between the playoffs or between the end of the regular season and the playoffs, I would assume, because um, you can't fit too many more games in outdoors in Canada before you have to play that game at like the big O. Um, or something, or play it in the U.S. somewhere, which I think both of those teams don't want to play any more games in the U.S. uh, ever again. Um, But yeah, one, that game is appointment viewing if there's a way for us to see it, because Toronto and Montreal always manage to provide the most insane, dramatic games um, in MLS, like easily, like sorry, Sounders-Timbers rivalry. um, Your games on on pure drama are nowhere near TFC-Montreal. They are in a league by themselves on that. Um, But what's important for DC here is that TFC came out um, with on paper, their strongest available 11. Um, They did end up having to um, make a late scratch. Omar Gonzalez was hurt in the warmup. Um, They ended up with Michael Bradley playing center back. Their center back pairing in this game was actually Michael Bradley and Kamar Lawrence, who you Mm, may may notice. Zero center backs on that list of guys. Yeah. Um, but uh they've they've got their own injuries. Um they came into this game with well the so the Canadian championship it looks like only allows seven subs. They aren't doing the extended bench uh for reasons that I can't divine. Um but by by scratching Gonzalez, it meant that they had six guys on the bench. Uh Justin Morrow, the only defender. Um and, you know, Nick Dalio, and I guess uh, we've seen him play everywhere else. Why not possibly play center back? Um, but yeah, they rotated for this because it's a championship. They can't win anything in the league. So they are focused on their domestic cup, which is what you should do in that situation. Um, last week, they sent out a lot of youngsters uh, at Atlanta. They sent out uh, you know, Julian Dunn started at the back. And I think Matt Doyle said that it was his second MLS start ever. Um, and his first start since like 2018. Um, so it's a, it, it's a lot of TFC two guys that started that game, but before you get too confident, that team got a one, one draw at Atlanta. So, um, as much as TFC looks beat up, um, and this Gonzalez thing may made them may make them more beat up than we thought, um, they did just get a pretty credible result against a team that is ahead of DC in the standings. So even if they yep. like rotate all these guys out and it's just pure second choice players uh, on, on Sunday, 
it's still probably going to be tough. Uh, those guys are trying to impress um, their current interim coach slash the GM slash future coaches and also um, any other GMs around the league that want to watch that game. And we also have to grapple with the fact that DC on the road, it's been tough every time. Um, they have stretches of games where they look really good, but at on the road, they've been much worse at carrying that on for 90 minutes. That's how you lose 10 of your 16 road games um, yeah. is you can't sustain it for 90. And that's the situation for DC. Um, and yeah, if, if they can't, I mean, realistically though, let's, let's be real. If you can't beat a heavily rotated TFC at this point in the year, when they've been this bad, then you don't deserve to go to the playoffs regardless of luck or anything else. Um, so there is that, like if they were unable to win this game, you'd say, okay, well, you know, we couldn't, we, we weren't tall enough to get on the ride. Um, and we saw it in right. distilled in this moment. Um, it will be more torturous if they do go out and beat TFC and then one of the other results doesn't go the right way. Um, oh, yes. which feels possible. Uh, I hate to say oh, it, it feels, it feels... I, I'm, I'm <laughs> given everything in the world right now. That's what I'm expecting to happen is for DC United to win, but also for the Red Bulls to probably like salvage a like right late winner, late garbage winner or something like that. Right. Just a scrappy own goal that, that gives them the draw or that gives Montreal a win. Um, yeah. It, it, it would not be great. Um, I would not enjoy that scenario. Um, it's almost that thing where you're, you're just like, just, just, just do it. If, if it's going to happen, just be done right. with it. Um, like tonight, I, I said this in the, the site slack about Montreal getting over an hour into their game against Houston before they scored. And I was like, couldn't you just score up front? Couldn't you just get it over with and not <laughs> give us an hour of like, maybe the dynamo can actually get out of there with something. Um, right. but that is, that is MLS at this stage of the year is, uh, if you're not already in, it is primed to be torture. And so I guess we're signed up to, for some torture. Yeah. And uh, ending on a uh, uh, a note that I would only call a filibuster note, um, there is no date yet for the Montreal TFC Canadian Championship Final. Perfect. It was originally scheduled to be played in October when they first announced the Canadian Championship schedule back in July, and then COVID and things uh, pushed everything, and now it's just TBD final date. Well, um I guess all I can say is the best of luck to our friends at Vocal Minority. Um, yeah. Whenever, first of all, best of luck in getting this game scheduled whenever you happen to, well, to. And speaking of which, they still never scheduled or played the 2020 Canadian uh, Championship <laughs> final, okay. which was between, which was supposed to be between TFC and Forge. They just never oh, played that's it. That's right. Never yes. been rescheduled, never been officially canceled. Yes, but, I think it was one of those things where they gave the CCL spot uh, out. They were like, we're just going to hand this out because someone has to do it. Um, yeah, the mysteries of uh, Canadian soccer continue. Uh, they're <laughs> much like the mysteries of American soccer. They don't really add up to a whole much, uh, a whole bunch, but it is kind of a fun ride. Uh, they got their yeah. own weird stuff, just like we do. I do miss I, all this talk of the Canadian championship does make me miss the open cup and I hope it is reinvigorated next year after the, uh, a two year absence. So there is a chance of the district of Columbia having an open cup first round proper game. I guess we can, we'll throw this in there. Um, 
since I've been keeping track of this because I don't know, I guess I have to fill tiny little bits of time with open it's, cup stuff. It's Jason. You know, if it's a yeah. soccer thing happening in the DMV, Jason will at least be tracking it. Um, so there, there were two teams, um, DC cheddar and yes, just like the cheese, uh, not, it's not a word that you're thinking. Did he say cheddar? No, literally the cheese um, and DC Districtonia. Um, we're both in the qualifying uh, Districtonia got through and they play Northern Virginia FC out at the Evergreen Sportsplex on oh. uh, November 21st. And the winner of that game qualifies for next year's Open Cup first round. And they are the two, or I'm sorry, there's three. There, uh, Lynchburg also, there's Lynchburg FC. They aren't playing a, they're playing a team from Illinois. There's like one, one unfortunate team from Illinois that is like um, not really close enough to anyone else to have been put in a different region. So they were just sort of bundled into the region with the, the mid Atlantic and, and uh, new England and New York teams. And somehow they have been paired up with Lynchburg FC. So um, there's a chance for two DMB teams to be in the open cup, uh, two amateur teams, I should say uh, to join DC uh, I assume the Maryland Bobcats would get in. I assume Nisa would be given those uh, berths right. and the Richmond kickers, of course. Um, yes. Not Loudon because of the, I'm not sure how I feel about the rule of not allowing the B teams in. I think you can just, I, I think it would be fine if they were like, your B teams can come in, but a player that plays for them can't play for the senior team and vice versa. And you're not allowed to like yeah, the old, game the, the old DC United yeah, the old DC United loanies to the kickers never got loaned uh, after, who was it? Was it Dykstra who who beat up on DC United or was it Joe Willis that one time? Well, no, so, so Dykstra was in goal for the kickers in 2013 when DC yes. and, and Richmond went to penalties, which uh, right. if he had saved a penalty kick, I don't know how that would have been, how, how you could reconcile that for anyone. Um, right, no. and then after that, Ben Olsen never let another DC United player play for the kickers in the open yes. cup. Yeah, you, you install the um, um, clause in the contract. But yeah, I think the B teams, the, the MLS B teams should be allowed to participate provided um, they have enough players who aren't under contract with the senior team. And, uh, you know, maybe the academy contract rules complicate that. I don't know exactly, but um, I, I don't think it's... I don't think it should be a situation where Loudon is just automatically out. Like there should be a way for them to be, if they can put together a roster that allows them to be compliant, then allow them in. Um, but you know, that's a theoretical problem that honestly the open cup probably doesn't need those teams. If we're being honest, it's already a hundred something clubs. So it's not that big of a deal, but um, a pet peeve of mine um, based on a thing I saw one time where Ajax's B team got to the Dutch cup semifinal and were drawn to play against Ajax, who also had gone to the semifinal or something. Right. There was something along those lines where Ajax B and Ajax both were like two of the final four or eight teams left. And the Dutch authorities were like, this might be a problem. Um, <laughs> this is not ideal. Um, right. But I don't think that would be the case. Uh, I think it would be fine to allow that. But, you know, maybe someone smarter than me has thought up a different reason. But in any case, uh, Open Cup, if you live out, in uh, Loudoun County, if you want to drive out to Leesburg to the Evergreen Sportsplex and watch an Open Cup qualifier right before Thanksgiving, you will be able to yeah. do that, and you'll be able to see 
uh, DC District Onia, and Nova FC. But you won't be able to take the Alley Creeker Memorial Ferry. You will not. The ferry is, to the best of my knowledge, still some time away from being reopened, if ever, uh, which is yeah. frustrating. Yes. <laughs> I think uh, Ferry Frustrations is a good place to end this episode of Filibuster. Uh, thank you for listening, of course. Uh, you can find us at blackandredunited.com, uh, at Black and Red U, at Filibuster DCU. Since Adam's not here, I'm going to say that you can follow Jason at Jason DC Soccer on Twitter. You can follow me at Bromley Soccer on Twitter, because uh, Adam never reads out our personal Twitter handles, and so I won't. Uh, tell you his you'll just have to go <laughs> scouring the internet to find his um but yes please uh tell your friends about the show we love it when you uh when you just share your favorite podcast uh that happens to be a dc united podcast to your friends and family the holidays are coming up if you just want to uh uh loop a an episode of filibuster underneath the charlie brown charlie brown christmas album so that you're hearing both at the same time i approve of that um yeah any way that you can like brainwash your friends and family into listening to us we would uh truly approve of yeah, like you could you could make like a if if you if you're a Christmas uh, celebrating family, maybe you get a gigantic box and fill it with a uh, uh, packing popcorn or whatever you want to fill it up with, so it seems like something's in there. And then when people open it up, it's just a note that tells them to listen to filibuster, um, and then and that's yeah. it. Um, that would be very funny. A, and and tell us if you do that. Yeah, or if you travel back in time to like 2003 and. and uh, uh, get your CD burner back and then burn an episode of this podcast onto a CDR, uh, not a CDRW, a CDR, and then leave that as stocking stuffers uh, or uh, on your Thanksgiving table, or you should have been giving those out in your Halloween candy uh, to all your neighbors. Um, right just just cd after cd for for you know the, the little nine-year-old next door comes over and their costume's great and you give them a cd of a podcast about soccer right not candy which is the thing they came to the door <laughs> expecting uh instead exactly a compact disc <laughs> exactly um that's a good place to end for the absent adam who i'm sure approves of all of this and jason i'm ben Say goodnight, Jason. Uh, I'm sorry. Me too.